Professor and uh, Mrs. Hopper, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for this opportunity. I uh, bring the greetings of Urania because I'm not just uh, presenting a paper today, I'm also in a very definite sense representing some people. You may have found on your tables an uh, information uh, packet. Um, there are also uh, some in German, Dutch and French at the door when you, uh, when you leave again. I really uh, have to mention the name of Mr. Aaron Kaland. He is Urania's uh, uh, ambassador to the northwest of Europe and the libertarian world. Um, he also mediated this uh, being here today. Thank you very much for that. I will talk to you um, about Urania in three parts, uh, starting with, with some background, some uh, sort of broad background that I think is needed, then uh, referring to our implementation of the concepts of freedom and liberty as we have done it over the past uh, 23 years, and then a short kind of uh, um, a conceptual analysis, just uh, uh, referring to some of the key concepts. Wiranya is a self-determining community of just more than 1,000 Afrikaners and was established in the Upper Karoo region of Central South Africa by the Afrikaner Freedom Foundation in 1991. Now this may seem like a very uh, simple a kind of, of a statement to start a, a, a challenging conceptual argument with. But nonetheless, I will elucidate the key aspects of it. Um, to go about it logically, I will set out a short description of the Afrikaner people, refer to the Afrikaner Freedom Foundation as an institution which, which had since uh, changed its name to the Urania Movement, and explain something about Werania's location and the reasons for that, and then underline the significance of the time at which it was established. As some of you may know, the Afrikaner people would not have existed was it not for the establishment of a refreshment post in the Cape of Storms by the Dutch East Indian Company in 1652. Now from that essentially uh, uh, colonial starting point evolved a, situa a situation that resulted in the descendants of the early Dutch, German and French settlers to amalgamate into a new socio-cultural group with a distinct self-consciousness, especially in reaction to the later British annexation of the Cape and the civilizational differences with the African tribes that they encountered in their migration along the East Coast. Uh, and the interior of South Africa. During the 18th century, these settlers survived in relative isolation, which resulted in a deviation of language and culture and culminated in a mutual solidarity in the force of alienating uh, political system. And it resulted not only in the short-lived republics of 1795 in the Cape, but also the great track into the interior and the establishment of the bigger Free State and uh, Transvaal Republics in the 1850s. These were internationally recognized states, albeit small and poor at the outset, and accommodated a citizenry 
the first Afrikaners in uh, a full political sense of the word, um, who led a traditional kind of life, a rural life, resisting outside control to the extreme, which extreme has been the Anglo-Boer War and more than 30,000 women and children uh, dying in British concentration camps during the Anglo-Boer War. Now, Afrikaners entered this 20th century as a result of this at a low point, not only in terms of political effacement, but also in terms of socio-economic revolution that modernization entailed. South Africa's increasingly centralizing administration was, not, uh, was adjusted to mining and industry and to the idea of an economy of scale, which effectively excluded Afrikaners with their mainly traditional skills. Nonetheless, Afrikaners answered to this, uh, uh, to this challenge in two ways. Uh, the first was, it, it's a self-modernization project, firstly de by developing Afrikaans as a language to be a modern technical, scientific, literary language and mediate the process of modernization, and then secondly, gaining control of the state of South Africa, establishing it as an independent republic again in 1961, and utilizing the instruments of state for the sake of, Afrika of Afrikaner upliftment and um, empowerment during most of the 20th century. This was then the second Afrikaner and judging by the position in which great, a great number of Afrikaners found themselves by the end of the 20th century, this strategy was hugely successful. And we were able to resist the dominant powers of the world for some time in favor of a very uh, unpopular policy called apartheid. It is common knowledge now that the apartheid government in South Africa gave way to an open democracy in an undivided and unified South Africa and it follows from the above that this development landed Afrikaners in an awkward position. On the one hand, there is much to be said in favor of our willingly giving up the kind of political freedom that stood in the way of other people's political aspirations. But on the other hand, it stripped us of those instruments that were essential to our well-being and self-confidence. In spite of our proud history as a freedom-loving and anti-imperialist people, we of course during our history walked exactly into that trap. But fortunately escaping it again, we ended up politically marginalized and on a broad front economically under pressure. That confronts us with the question of how the Afrikaner will maybe reinvent itself for a third time and on what basis this third Afrikaner will establish a sustainable existence in the world. That brings me then to the Afrikaner Freedom Foundation, an institution that was formed in 1988 by a group of eminent Afrikaner intellectuals and who foresaw the end of white minority rule in South Africa, but did not view any kind of majority domination in a centralized state as preferable to that. They were still attracted to an important line of thinking within Afrikaner nationalist rule since 1948, with the partitioning of South Africa along ethnic lines. Much of this project, much as this project has failed over the preceding decades, the possibility still exi existed 
in the uh, late 1980s, early 1990s, for Afrikaners to take up a part of the country in exchange for giving up control of the whole and let the rest work out a political dispensation to their taste. Now, logical as this may seem, especially in hindsight, it did not carry much support from the Afrikaner elite. Um, and even though the ANC was willing to discuss uh, the proposition, uh, Afrikaners in power preferred to put more trust in con uh, constitutional guarantees and in participating in the big state um, rather than opt for localized and direct forms of self-determination. The Freedom Foundation tried to promote this idea of a folk start at the constitutional negotiations preceding the transfer of power in 1994, but only succeeded in putting the concept on the agenda and seeing to it that one of their uh, uh, political partners enter it as a certain clause into the new constitution. They did decide, we did decide at that stage to leave the uh, warm fireplace of political philosophizing and enter into the harsh, cold world of political action by uh, finding a town which was uh, left by the Department of Waters, uh, Water Affairs, actually a construction camp, um, which they put up on public tender. They used it to construct part of the canal system in that area. Um, and we uh, got hold of it uh, on public tender, formed a company and bought it. And that was the beginning of the most adventurous and challenging time in the lives of both the idea and its proponents. By 2000, the Freedom Foundation already was a members-driven organization since 1993 and decided to change its name to the Urania Movement to be very concrete. Now, anyone knowing South Africa and especially our beauty and natural assets may wonder at the Freedom Foundation's initial choice of a locality for this uh, pilot project. The Karoo is an arid semi-desert region with climatic extremes and on face value limited opportunities. But the fact is it suited the basic demographic argument of focusing on an undeveloped and lowly populated area to which the competing claims would be limited, especially as the Orange River carries the potential for innovative development which a technologically adopted population could unlock. Added to that, Afrikaners lived in the area since the late 18th century, and it is part of South Africa in which Afrikaans is the dominant language, even though the number of Afrikaners living there and still is a, a small percentage of the total population. Um, I should maybe add that there are other people also speaking Afrikaans, but mainly uh, by uh, replacing their mother tongue, which results in a lack of uh, uh, loyalty towards the language from such groups. Now the question, when was Urania established, comes to the fore. For the continent of Africa, 1994 was not only the year of the Rwandan, ge Rwandan genocide, in which plus minus 800,000 Tutsis were murdered by the Hutus in government. It was also the year of South Africa's heralded democratic elections. 
The fact that both these events took place during April of that year could serve to remind Afrikaners of the potentially precarious existence that they entered into at that time. One might need to be reminded that the Rwandan genocide followed a period of approximately 50 years of peaceful coexistence by Hutus, the majority, and Tutsis, the previously dominant population. Nonetheless, old resentments came to the fore again and was fired on by seemingly unimportant reasons until a programmed process of violence was entered into. It was facilitated at least by two further facts, that of the Tutsis being physically and recognizably different from the Hutus, and that of their being spread thinly over an area populated mostly by Hutus. The point is that even though Afrikaners may have been able to negotiate a peaceful settlement in 1994, this does not guarantee that Afrikaners, being a previously dominant, highly visible and recognizable, thinly spread minority, will not fall prey to the adverse attitudes of a frustrated majority, regardless of the question whether we are in fact responsible for their frustrations or not. Not only does this suggest the idea of a politics of concentration, it underlines the significance of the date of Urania's establishment. If one takes into account the plans for the acquiring of the empty town already started in 1990, and that the Freedom Foundation's leadership was already in contact with the ANC's leadership while they were still in exile in the 1980s, it is obvious that turning to Urania was not a reactionary action by an unadaptable or undemocratic section of the South African population, but the result of a fundamental analysis of the balance of powers in a future unitary state. It was offered not as a form of resistance to change in South Africa, but as an alternative to the kinds of conflicts that are typically associated with power politics competition in multi-ethnic states in Africa. So that is the broad background against we set out on the specific project. As was mentioned above, negotiations during the 1990s resulted in a private company formed by the Freedom Foundation acquiring the land of Urania, which was on public tender for an amount of 1.5 million rand, a seemingly very small amount now, and that was only after the town was offered by the Department of Water Affairs to the Defense Department and then to Correctional Services, and none of these could think of anything to do with it. As they still needed, the Water Affairs Department needed to finalize matters like the relocation of its last maintenance staff, the new owners agreed to take occupation in April 1991. Being mostly left to the elements for years, it was a dilapidated town that awaited the first 13 inhabitants that moved in at the time. It consisted of 380 hectares of land, plus minus 250 usable houses, some public buildings and facilities, as well as municipal infrastructure, all of good quality, but in a state of neglect. The first matter that deserved the founders' attention was that of ownership and participation. It was agreed with the provincial government that Wirania would be viewed as an improved farm 
as it previously was and did not need to go through forms of township establishment procedures. That left Urania administratively essentially on its own, which is very important. Then the founders established a filial company in the form of a share block scheme in accordance with South African company law, um, which meant that ownership of plots and houses would be in the form of shares in the company represented by a share block certificate specified by a surveyor's map in the file and guaranteed by survey pegs on the ground. It practically replaced government-issued title deeds and guarantees and represents an alternative land ownership regime. The initial holding company systematically transferred control of the share block filial as it grew into its own, but it needed to plow back all the proceeds of, uh, of sold property to ensure basic services and support economic development until the threshold of a self-generating scale was reached. Shortly after the initial transaction, the founders bought an additional tract of farmland, 3,500 hectares big, and registered water rights to 360 hectares. We constructed an irrigation scheme and subdivided in, into 10 hectare micro farms. Though millions of rands were invested in private enterprises over the past 20 plus years, the founders did not take any profit on the development which proved to be a key to the successful establishment of such a new community which still required its uh, own economic basis. Now looking at the body corporates that makes it possible, I have touched upon the central, one of the central issues in Urania's functioning with the institutions that give it supra, a supra-individual dimension. <coughs> there is a saying in Afrikaans that the people lives by its institutions, and in Urania's case, it is almost palpably true. Reference has been made to the Afrikaner Freedom Foundation establishing a company, the Urania Management Services, as a holding company for the Fleukiskral Share Block Limited, um, as a body corporate for the owners and occupants of premises. The Freedom Foundation has its own history in preceding institutions, uh, which, which uh, put it up in a way that gave it credence in South African society, especially amongst Afrikaners. Once the community of Urania started to take form, Fleukiskral Share Block, the offices of which started to function like a municipal administration, funded by rates and taxes to which the citizenry agrees on an annual basis by adopting the financial statements and uh, participating in the next year's budget process, and delivering services like water, sewerage, electricity, waste management, streets and public facilities like a community hall, swimming pool, etc. It also manages the integrated development plan and uh, approved building plans administers the right of residence, as well as some other functions that we will uh, discuss separately. The bulk of daily activities is, of course, not represented by the town council's business, but um, however important that is for enabling other things. Two independent schools, a number of Christian congregations, and of course, a whole variety of private businesses makes up the everyday life of Urania's people. 
Non-profit social institutions include the Wirania Welfare Council with a registered social worker in its service and Wirania Movements Help Some Fund that raises monetary support for projects like subsidized housing for newcomers in need. Now, these two institutions work closely together to ensure that social support don't result in endemic dependence, but in empowering people to take responsibility for their own affairs. It's not the, the, the uh, beginning of a social uh, community. It is a way of uh, giving a helping hand to newcomers who are in need and to put people on their own feet. Public financial institutions, excluding private funds management, which is a, uh, an industry in Verania, are the Verania Savings and Credit Union that became a model of its kind and grew into a, a cooperative bank, and the Verania Movement, Verania Growth Fund that raises funds from outside supporters and invests it in local business. In 2004, the Verania Chamber of Business launched a local currency the URA intended to promote local spending, added, of course, to the symbolic and, uh, and, and safety reasons for using it. One other institutional uh, institution deserves mention, the Urania Representative Council. It is a council of which the history will unfold a little later, but uh, that represents uh, every permanent resident and not only shareholders or their proxies, as the company does. It was instituted in terms of South African municipal law and resisted the government's attempt to integrate Urania into a common municipality with neighboring towns, but presently describes itself as a common law local government institution. Its main significance has to do with Urania's recognition as a self-determining co uh, community. As Wirania operates in terms of the South African private property laws, the company has the right to control access to its land. This means that aspirant residents needs to share our vision of a self-determining people, concur with the community's common values and participate in our key practices like performing our own labor. As our basic instinct to, uh, instinct is to include as many as possible Afrikaners that support this idea. We do not describe Urania as an exclusivist society, but rather as an intentional community. Whoever understands and supports our broad intention deserves an opportunity to participate in it and see how far they desire to commit themselves. Many, in fact the majority of the members of the Urania movement presently live outside Urania they either do not wish to or are not in a position to move to Irania on the short run, but support it in other ways and visit us frequently. When any of them move to Irania, they also have to commit openly to Irania's constitution. Two aspects in which a small community like Irania would want to but cannot totally escape the macro state in whose ter uh, territory it's unfortunate enough to find itself are those of safety and the settlement of disputes. In both cases, Urania takes it as far as it can while still operating perfectly within the given legal framework. In fact, the Community Safety Committee that consists of volunteering residents, works in close cooperation with the South African Police Service, uh, 
uh, and especially the community police forums in neighboring towns, ensuring that the best intelligence reports available uh, are at their disposal. It is supported by a filial of Flakes Kral Sherblock Company, um, the Urania Safety uh, Company, a registered security company with the rights and responsibilities of privatized police at, as it is uh, administered in South Africa. Local disputes that spill over into South African lower or higher courts undermines Urania's self-confidence and, uh, and its image to the outside. It also brings about costs that flow out of the local economy, whilst matters could often be settled locally, even if not amicably. Residents commit themselves to use the mediation and arbitration procedures available at the town council, which consist of well-experienced amateurs with a sense of uh, negotiation and justice. Though not all disp uh, disputes can be satisfactorily settled in this way, it helps to engender a culture of solving uh, our own problems instead of waiting on the state to do it. And uh, I think if I'm correct, uh, at least 80% of all disputes are settled internally uh, in this way. Uh, it is also a growing kind of institution. Closely associated with this sense of the self that goes with looking after your own safety and, and uh, disputes are the matters of recognition and expression. Fundamental to our initiative is the idea that a self-reliant community that chooses to act does not need anyone's permission to do it, even that no gross contravention of law takes place in the process naturally. That does not mean that we view the individual community as self-sufficient to the point of isolation, just as we don't hold the individual human being as such, in both cases the concept of recognition, in other words, being part of a reciprocal network of entities, be it human beings or communities, is our starting point. In other words, an isolated and forgotten Urania will not be able to thrive, not only because of material need, but also because we all live in the eyes of others. We need each other to fulfill our calling and live virtuously. In fact, we emerge and appear to each other as individuals or as communities because these pre-existing relations empower us to do it. That is why Urania do not want to isolate itself, either from the rest of South Africa or from the world. What we do want is to enter into mutually recognizing relations according to which we look after our own affairs and engage in whoever crosses our way regarding those matters that can benefit us both. That is also why it is important to us that luminaries like President Nelson Mandela, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, uh, honored us with visits, as well as political leaders like President Zuma and several uh, provincial premiers, um, even that enfant terrible of South African politics, Julius Malema, uh, visited us. More important may be the memorandum of understanding between Urania and Nyameni, a traditional Isitosa community from the dominantly Kosa-speaking uh, part of, of South Africa. And that is why, in terms of this recognition, it is important for us to put our case even uh, uh, to such a select audience as is here today. Even our representative council, whose existence carries the, the stamp of a court order, 
settling the dispute between us and the South African government regarding our local authority serves as a symbol of the kind of recognition that we need. Which brings us to the question of expressing ourselves in terms of symbols. Not only are practical instruments of self-determination of high symbolic value, so-called pure symbols like a flag, statues of heroes, festive days, national colors, etc., are as important as the words that we use when explaining our case. All of that are held in high regard by our community and are often displayed publicly. In fact, it is by means of symbols that one can exist publicly at all. Now I want to conclude this part regarding the implementation of our ideas with a short overview of Urania's development after 23 years in operation, referring also to the number and profile of people living there. In 1991, the, uh, the, the town was empty. It was an empty shell in a state of neglect. The nearest neighboring town is a small, mainly farming center, 40 kilometers off, and the closest town of significance with a big airport, for example, is Kimberley at a distance of some 160 kilometers. It clearly follows that Wirania had to manage on its own and could not be conceived as a suburb or even a satellite of another urban center. We started off with just a handful of idealists and desperates. And though the numbers of both these categories has grown over the years, there is also a settled middle class who needed to strike the long runs a long-run balance between living a dream and creating a reality. After five years, in 1996, the permanent population was around 200 souls. This period was the most difficult part of our history thus far, probably because the kind of pioneering spirit that feels attracted to such a new start is typically not of a compromising nature. The main economic activities were in agriculture, basic local services, and construction, though more in the sense of renovation than, than, than building. It was a challenging time for the, uh, to be economically successful. And there was a popular saying in Wirania at that stage that it's not so difficult to make a small fortune in Wirania. You just have to start off with a big one. <laughs> Education was already well developed, although the question of a suitable model was quite contentious. Wirania's leadership was represented in the post-1994 provincial parliament under the banner of the Freedom Front that had national representation as well, but everybody did not support, uh, support this participation in the, uh, in the new system and cohesion was limited. Now a significant change took place during the next five years until 2001. The population grew to plus minus 450, the economy was more rewarding, and a broad and stable leadership on different fronts was uh, aggravating, aggregating in the community. The trusted effect of a common enemy was also felt when Urania's own representative council that was installed in terms of an interim local government dispensation in South Africa came under the threat of being incorporated into a new centralized multi-town municipality. The council did not play a significant role in the day-to-day -day matters in Wirania, but it was the statutory recognition represented by it that was important, and the community united behind actions to resist its annihilation. The whole process ended in something of a constitutive moment 
when a pending case in the High Court was settled a day before South Africa's local elections took place, with an order that Wirania's council will be maintained. The following day, Wirania held its own elections with a 90% plus voter turnout, and it was reported on national television as the second news item after South Africa local elections uh, being the first. Thus concluded a campaign under the banner Recognize Urania, literally a banner flying behind a small aeroplane over the uh, South Africa's capital, Pretoria. The five years up to 26, the third five years, um, was one of consolidation and of mainstreaming the Urania idea, which was perceived by many as no more than a re reactionary project fueled by resistance against the majority against majority rule in South Africa. It is of course a problem that such stereotyping is never completely untrue, and Urania needed time both for its own track record to take form and for the new centralized uh, South Africa to show its real colors. In Urania, both our economy and population kept on growing, nearing 700 souls and rendering a growing number of services to the vicinity. In the meantime, South Africa was not living up to the best expectations of a constitutional democracy and policies of affirmative action and black economic empowerment were marginalizing Afrikaners. In fact, the driving force in South African politics was represented all the more by the word transformation rather than by any constitutional provision. In this period, our local economic development strategies and questions of sustainability enjoyed a lot of attention. The Urania Savings and Credit Union took root and the URA was launched. Urania was not quite becoming popular yet, but it was accepted as a permanent part of the South African political landscape and tourism became a growing industry. By the end of the next five years, in 2011, an, a new dispensation has come about in Urania. The original founders were replaced by a new generation of leadership, both in the Urania movement and in the town council, as well as in most internal institutions. In this period, all available housing was taken up and together with availability of financing through our new community bank, new structures started to be erected and longer term planning was undertaken. The population came close to 1,000 during these years, starting to put municipal services uh, capacity under pressure. The self-concept of a pioneering town was replaced by one of an established community based on professional town planning, expressing itself uh, in a unique architectural idiom and being in a position to attract the investment and support needed to tackle capital projects. The town council was empowered by an able new executive officer and taking Urania to the next level became something of a mantra, not only for the administration, but for many of Urania's institutions and businesses as well. It included the acquisition of strategic new farmland uh, with opportunities for further township development. It would be risky by now to say too much about the present, except that the political environment is not becoming friendlier towards us and that the time for the politics of concentration has really come. Wirania needs to capitalize on all that it has learned and gained over the past two decades and gear itself 
for accelerated population growth by developing uh, the economic and social capacity that supports it. That brings me to the last short part of the presentation, a conceptual evaluation or understanding uh, of, of, of it all. Up to this point, the concepts of freedom, liberty, common sense were used but not introduced. These are words that one would expect to encounter separately or in combination in a discourse of the property and freedom society, but they need some illumination if they are to open a broader perspective on Werania as an experiment in reality. And uh, if that broader perspective is to enrich our understanding of where property and freedom could take us to. In the process, I will be drawing on the classical tradition, especially on Aristotle's political thinking as mediated by Hannah Arendt. Firstly, freedom stands in contrast to necessity. Freedom stands in contrast to necessity, and it means not to be subjected to external force, be it the force of hunger, pain, or someone else's dictates. As the human life is subjected to natural processes and cycles, even in good health, we always need to eat again. The animal laborants has to perform the labor that goes with feeding, clothing, cleaning, and all those activities that never end. Whoever spends his life on this labor is not free, but a slave or a servant, because he does not have the capacity to participate in the matters of the city. He cannot meet the citizens on an equal footing. In fact, insofar as meeting other citizens as peers and equals is the object of freedom, not only labor, but also work stands in the way as well. Work then refers to those activities by which not our bodies are looked after, but by which our common world is established, the world of things, by which those things that transcend our individual lives and rhythms are fabricated, our houses and forums and, and public places, the activities of Homo Faber, even those who live whose lives are taken up by producing the things that brings us together as a table brings people together around it, who are not slaves or servants but tradesmen of all kinds are not set free to play the role of the citizen. These are private concerns that, according to classical tradition, makes possible and form part of the vita activa. And to try and ignore it will uh, not better anyone's position only after the needs of the person have been met and after the common world has been established can man live up to his full potential, that of meeting his equals in, the, in, in great words and glorious deeds. In other words, the private domain needs to be attended to if the public domain is to be entered. And good as it may be not to lack anything in the private, glory is only to be obtained in the public. Secondly, liberty does not relate to necessity in the negative as freedom does um, in the sense uh, of, of, of uh, necessity's absence in the private domain, but in relation to critical preconditions of human action, namely that together we can attain what separately we cannot. In fact, that very insight in what we can do in common, the common sense, lies at the bottom of the truly constitutive event of establishing the public domain. Out of 
that sense of the polis, out of that sense the polis is born and homo politicus becomes possible. Thirdly then, common sense, except that it's not so common anymore, is the key to the public domain, which not only offers free men the opportunity to excel, but bestows on them the responsibility of a public spirit. Now finally, I want to relate these three concepts uh, to Arania and what we have attained during the last uh, two and a half decades. Firstly, both traditional and modern Afrikaners, the first Afrikaners of the 19th century and the second Afrikaners of the 20th century, have built their property and wealth on other people's labor. Not quite on slave labor like the Greeks have done, but a kind of feudalism in relation to the black population of South Africa. This dependence on outside labor for the needs of the private domain resulted in the loss of control over the public domain once those subjected to unfreedom understood the political significance of the economic role. Wirania is the first ever community of Afrikaners that jealously do its own work, not without a division of labor, but in a way that identifies the whole population with both the needs of the private and household and that of the public and political. That makes of us the third Afrikaner presenting itself, a mutation of our modern and unsustainable predecessor. Secondly, it broadens our frame of mind from freedom, the absence of necessity for the individual, to liberty, the opportunity to act together as a community that sets up a polis to become a political community. Although it may imply that we relegate, relegate individual rights to a second order, it does not mean that we have collectivist preferences. It means that the free and fulfilling individual life presupposes, is presupposed by something else without which it would not be possible. We are convinced that it presupposes a concrete functional community rather than something as abstract and distant as an operative judicial system. In fact, even an operative judicial system presupposes something of a community, uh, more of it than is uh, normally understood. Thirdly, as far as common sense is concerned, we view the community not as the sum of its individual members, not even as more than the sum of its individual members, we view it as a human phenomenon of a different and more fundamental order. It comprises of human, of individual members, but also of shared institutions, traditions, beliefs, languages, memories, aspirations, and a place for it all, a world of common things, a heimat, a public domain. That is why we have founded Wirania, so that our children may not only have a home, but also that they may have a place in the world where they may perform glorious deeds, as did their forebears and ours. Thank you.